Here. Here. Frost. Here. Healy. Here. McGaw. Here. Here. McDonald. Oh, I'm going McDonald. That's okay. Winter. Here. Okay, thank you. Um, and with the noted correction to um, chair and vice chair, well, vice chair is the same, but chair, that'd be great. Uh, approval of minutes. Any additions, deletions, corrections, or if not, can I have a motion to approve as submitted? Uh, you have a motion to approve. Second. Second. Uh, all in favor? Aye. Okay, thank you. Uh, I have no public comment cards, uh, no old business, moving right along. Uh, discussion of um, alternative aviation fuel uh, in lieu of um, 100 octane low lead that we currently use. Uh, Bob, I know we got one letter on this. Can you give us some background? I'm oh, sorry. Uh, Colin McDonald uh, requested at a future date that we talk about this, but this uh, proved a good time. Uh, he was wondering, since he was able to use this fuel going back to Oshkosh, I believe, that what the availability would be and, and chances of uh, finding an alternate fuel for Petaluma. Uh, I was also contacted by Les at the airport who has a light sport and presently uses unleaded gas and wanted what the idea, or we had an idea when um, we would be getting a alternative source for our 100 low lead uh, available at the airport. I think mainly he was looking for a MoGas uh, 97 octane. Mm. In the past we've discussed this and we only have two tanks that are available, uh, one for Jet A and, and one presently for 100 low lead. In the past we looked up what it would cost to bring a third tank in on a temporary basis and uh, the initial cost to purchase the extra tank and get the permits and have it available would be far above what the pump price would be as you see downtown uh, for the minimum amount of sales that we would uh, see out of these uh, few planes that it wouldn't be cost effective. Um, the other um, thought was that in the past, we've had Chevron would not sell us mo gas for aircraft use, and we had to go to an unbranded source. And do you have a sense of how many gallons per month, roughly? They would use. I would like assume so? they would be less than 100 gallons a month. Okay. Yeah. And right. one of the ideas we got a, a note from um, Clear Gas, and they were talking about how that they have come up with a uh, ethanol-free fuel of a 97 octane. And it's available, but it has to be trucked in into California. It's manufactured outside California, so you'd have to oh my. wait in line to get your fuel. And then it would be available for voters and other enthusiasts, which at this point I don't think you'd want to cater to that on the airport proper. Right. Okay, so that sounds like there are a lot of issues that need to be right. looked into. Right. Uh, one of the things Clear Gas brought up was that um, there are STCs available so that... Um, Aircraft could use these if they obtain this FT, STC, which are currently available. What the article didn't state is that you have to pay for that STC. And what the article didn't state was every time they fuel up, we have to check to make sure the STC is with them when they fuel. So um, presently, we don't have the room for it. Uh, at some point, uh, when they get the fuel approved, we'll have an alternate. Right now, we don't. Okay. All right. Uh, before we have some discussion, I do have one speaker card, uh, Ron Mangan. If you would like to address uh, the issue, you're free to do so. Name and address, if you don't mind. And thank you, Mr. Chairman, members of the Commission. 
Uh, my name is Ron Mangon. I am the President and CEO of Mangon Aircraft Incorporated at the Pelham Airport and also the Pelham Pilot Training Center. And I come to you tonight to talk to you about the MOGAS or the alternative fuels or clear fuels that uh, um, is being presented. And I'm uh, uh, come to you more as a background of being a mechanic. I am a licensed AMP, which stands for Airframe and Power Plant Mechanic, and also inspector's authorization. So. I get to perform the maintenance on the aircraft and see uh, the aircraft, you know, once they have used alternative fuels and stuff uh, such in the past. I would caution you about uh, doing it. I am in contact with the factories, uh, both Lycone and Continental, normally on a weekly basis. I have been to both their schools as well as uh, Pratt & Whitney, Piper, Cessna, and basically their point as far as the MoGas issue is no, uh, flat out, don't do it. There's no controls, there's no standards per se, because when you go from different regions and different seasons, uh, they blend the gas different uh, for, for the automotive fuel. The clear gas and the unleaded fuel that's uh, being uh, tested and produced right now uh, is that it's more in a, in a, in a test stage. There, with Lycoming, there is two certified fuels, uh, the clear gas that they are certified in their engines, still not certified, uh, use it in the airplane without a supplemental type certificate in STC. And that gas is available in uh, Sweden and in Ukraine, so I think that's going to be a little cost prohibitive <laughs> to uh, uh, ship that over and truck it across the country. Uh, Basically, with the Hunter Low Lead, uh, my understanding is we have about 10 years to try to come up with a solution uh, as far as the general aviation public and get behind a uh, common cause. And where the engine manufacturers are feeling that within 10 years, most of these engines are out there will be reaching uh, overhaul periods. And uh, so hopefully there'll be some new technology uh, out there to uh, compensate for it, whether it's a electronic ignition and fuel system or or what, uh, that's what's being worked on right now. My concern about if you have uh, MoGas or some other alternative fuel out at the airport and it slips by and you fuel an aircraft that is certified for the 100 low lead and it's a high performance, turbocharged, high compression uh, engine as such, uh, you risk a high liability risk there because uh, that will destroy an engine and possibly uh, be catastrophic to the, the airplane and the pilot. So I, I really, you know, say caution on this one. And the last thing I'll add is in aviation history, I've seen new products come out, uh, such as oils. They came out with a fully synthetic oil for piston engine airplanes. Uh, that got pulled off the market and uh, mobile uh, oil had to buy a bunch of engines because, because of that. So I wouldn't be the first one on the block to try to be a test bed and test this out. I would suggest you know, let somebody else have the teething pains and work out the bugs before we, you know, be in the city, spend the money and liability to test out this new product. Thank you. Any questions for uh, Mr. Magan? Okay. Oh, Colin, go ahead. Uh, turn your mic on there. There you go. Ron, I've heard that the unleaded fuel burns a lot cleaner and, and has uh, gives less spark plug issues. Uh, have you? Can you talk oh, about no, that? Oh, yeah, no, yeah, it totally addressed that. Um, I really don't see that much spark plug issues with the Hunter Low Lead. Um, back in the 70s, uh, my father was the director of maintenance at the Aero Club at Hamilton Air Force Base. 
And at that time, uh, they were being subsidized by the Air Force and it was actually buying fuel from the Air Force. And they were using the 115-145 octane and their 80 octane engines. And they really did not have an issue with it. If you follow Lycoming's uh, recommendation about leaning aggressively on the ground and leaning your engine properly and uh, cleaning gap your spark plugs every 50 hours, you don't, you don't have that issue. If you have lack of maintenance, you're going to have an issue. You're going to have it regardless of whether you're using 100 low lead, car gas, or, or whatever. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, Ron. Thank you. Um, what do you guys think? Um, what? Thank you. I had a question for Mr. Patterson. I know in the past the airport has had um, mo gas, as we say, and I uh, understood that to, that there was a kind of a feasibility issue of having it, and it was not profitable, and um, that was partially one of the reasons why we didn't carry on with it when we upgraded what two tanks ago. Could you address that? Previously, we did um, offer mo gas on the second pump out at the fuel island. Um, like we said previously, we couldn't get Chevron to deliver. It was an unbranded uh, fuel. Uh, we didn't have the sales to properly um, keep that uh, enterprise going, so the decision was made by the commission to uh, not sell the mo gas and uh, stick strictly with the um, 100 low lead. Uh, the third tank that had the mo gas in it was the same tank that the city used for fueling the city vehicles uh, when there was an underground system. Uh, the usage was practically uh, nil. I don't have the figures for you from that time period, but uh, those are the recollections of what um, Mr. Gross had said previously. Thank you. Yeah, I I had uh, you know a couple of questions. Uh, you mentioned uh, a month that a hundred gallons a month would be the market for right now with the MoGas. Is that what I understood? That's an approximation. I mean, these gentlemen fly one or two times a week, uh, each burning three to four gallons an hour. I, I can't see them burning more than 100 gallons in a month. Yeah, I, I mean, I personally don't see it feasible even for that reason, uh, okay. let alone that there's only two companies out there that have the STC to even have uh, Mo Gas, and one of them is EAA and the other one is Patterson Aviation. I don't think they're related to you, but <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I, I, thank you, Fred. I, I do know in the uh, studies I've done on the, the work that um, various alphabet aviation groups are going through right now to find an alternative to our current 100-octane uh, low-lead fuel, um, which is not an easy thing to do. One of the realities is that 80% um, of the fleet of general aviation aircraft with basically low compression aircraft engines can, with modifications, and sometimes with hardly any modification, burn pump gas for automobile use. The problem is, is that the 20% of the fleet that can't use it burns 80% of the 100 low lead. So, from an economic standpoint, um, if if you try to service a majority of aircraft that don't buy the majority of the gas, you're never going to be able to pay out the investment. But I think it's a reasonable question that deserves an appropriate study and thorough review 
And since, Colin, you brought it up, if you'd like, I think it's perfectly appropriate for you to work with Bob and, and whomever to um, develop um, a study on the alternative and possible, possibility, um, what the infrastructure needs would be, what the potential costs might be, and then run that by Joe as the head of the operations subcommittee, and then we can review it and then report back to the entire commission. So, okay. that may, yeah, Kristen, do you have? Uh, yeah, I would uh, first go on record as saying I favor your suggestion of forming you know, some type of a task force to continue looking at this problem. I think what may end up happening is we may end up in a transition zone where you've got some of the aircraft still burning 100 low lead and you've got the a lot of the older uh, piston engines which were originally certified for uh, 8087 or in the case of my aircraft 9196 and, um, and, and uh, other than all the crap they put in MoGas my airplane would be happy with it. But we may end up in a situation where for a period of time, you know, who knows, five, seven, ten years, where there's an overlap. And, mm. and um, uh, you know, we're gonna, we've got some aircraft on the field, not too terribly many, that have to have 100 low lead. I would imagine that a majority of the aircraft don't need 100 low lead, and I would think that needs to be part of our survey is to see what our breakdown is on our airport. And it may well be that we need a period of time to be able to dispense two types of, of gasoline. Um, I don't think that time is here, uh, but I think it's probably time to start planning and maybe time to start setting uh, some monies aside in the budget. Um, depending how this develops, um, as some of you know, you know some of these uh, uh, do-gooder groups have started to, to sue everybody uh, about, um, you know, lead, uh, selling leaded aviation fuel uh, here in California. I think those suits will die on the vine because of uh, a federal preemption arguments. But clearly, the drumbeat you know is is out there and it's a little unpredictable as to what the tra trajectory is going to look like so i think you know the, the sooner we take steps to looking at it defining it having a plan and, and starting to put some funding in uh, uh in place in case you know the 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 changeover away from leaded aviation fuel goes in such a way that we really need to be able to for a period of time to dispense two different fuels yeah uh, although there's a you know there's this green perspective on going to this, and I think one of the things that's more important is what's the liability to the airport, and until there's a, a certified refiner of actually more than one, uh, I think we're we're jumping ahead of what's available. Uh, I mean, the effort of doing the study is fine. It kind of give us some base information and tell us where we were in 2011. But I think it's going to be a number of years before that gas is available and available at a cost that makes sense. Plus, the infrastructure um, changes that would need to be done at the airport. Uh, you already know it's not going to be cheap. It's another, it's another tank. It's another 
set of lines. It's digging up the, the taxiway. It's putting a pump in. It's, I mean, none of that's cheap. Plus, we're in an economic time where we need to be saving our money and watching where we're putting it. And rather than start thinking about putting budget money away for this, there's a number of other things that actually do need to be done soon at the airport. Uh, the possibility of a new mower, uh, you know, there may be more things coming down in security that we're going to have to pay for. With, there's things that are a little bit more imminent than I think this this MoGas issue is, and we should be focusing on being able to pay for that rather than being able to start looking at uh, activities that don't have any support at this time or not even for the next 10 years to be realistic about it. So I'm just saying, you know, if we're going to put effort into something, let's put it in something that's got a much quicker return than something that's, you know, 10 years out. Yeah. I, I think it's worth at least looking into. and. As you said, Joe, it might help build a foundation of information that we can use for the future because some some changes are going to be coming, and someday 100 low lead, I guess, is going to go away. Apparently, from what I understand, aviation gasoline accounts for 1% of all gasoline sold in the entire country. So we're already looking at a boutique fuel as it is, and moving to some type of fuel uh, that is unleaded and yet still has the octane and the burning characteristics and power characteristics and cost, relatively speaking, of 100 low lead that we use today is not an easy fix. Automobiles you could do a whole lot with when you're selling billions of gallons a year. You can justify a lot of engine redesign and, and refinery modifications. When you're talking a boutique fuel, uh, that's where it really gets difficult. So, um, I, Colin, I th if you want to move forward and work with Bob and the rest of us, I, I think that's great, and it'll start building a database we can use in the future because it will come someday that we'll have to deal with. So. Yeah, I think I think it could happen a lot quicker than people realize. Uh, I wouldn't be so quick to say that you know it's going to be ten years down the road. Um, I was in the motorcycle industry for a number of years. Uh, we sold happily sold uh, motorcycles, uh, mini bikes to kids. And uh, a couple of years ago, the Fed said no more mini bikes because they contain a certain amount of lead, and it just completely wiped out that part of the industry. Yeah, um, they've repealed that now. Um, but after after the industry was killed, that yeah. was that was thoughtful. And yeah. uh, and you know, Good planning. <laughs> it was obviously you know not a very uh, a wise thing for the for the governing agencies to do. They did it anyway. Um, they've repealed it. They, you know, but they moved pretty quickly, more more quickly than the industry could adapt, mm. and uh, then the, uh, and, and I'm afraid that that could happen um, to the yeah. aviation industry as well. Yeah, I do know that the uh, alphabet groups that are working on this AOPA and the general, uh, the Aviation Manufacturers Association and. Uh, uh, the FAA. Um, the FAA has exerted its um, authority over the rest of the federal government as having the primary responsibility governing aviation and rulemaking in that regard uh, instead of the EPA. Right. Uh, so that's helpful, but I think that the approach that's being taken by these groups and the FAA 
is one to be uh, very deliberate and thoughtful because they realize the issues at stake. Um, the general aviation contributes billions of dollars to the national economy and business activity. Uh, it's not just about going up on a Sunday afternoon and burning a hole in the sky, which is fun to do, don't get me wrong, but uh, a vital element in our national transportation infrastructure. So they're doing this, I think, the right way, but uh, you're right, there are pressures. So if you'd like and to I'd go forth to with that, that would be great. Okay? Get more information. Yes, Kristen. Um, I'll just make one more comment because it gets tossed out loosely all the time by people that really don't have much basis to know anything about it is, is this issue of, well, there's liability. Um, there's liability in everything we do. Uh, selling, yeah, going and getting you know some mo gas off a truck and starting selling out of cans would probably open us up. Um, but to the degree that you know a third fuel becomes available that's certified by the FAA, um, you know there's no there's no more no it's not unlikely that there's going to be any more liability issues than there are with any of the other fuels that the airport dispenses. Well, I think it's something that Colin could include in your review. I think. Any other thoughts on that or anybody? Okay, thank you. Thanks, Ron. Appreciate it. Uh, correspondence, Bob. All right, no, no correspondence. No correspondence. <laughs> okay, good, thank you. All right, um, operations subcommittee. Uh, let me do budget quickly. Uh, you got the final numbers for the end of the fiscal year. Uh, happy to report that uh, we do have a surplus about 4.6% of total revenues in surplus. Um, that's nice to see. That'll help us fund some projects and pay our matching um, fund payment requirements for FAA grants um, that we have for projects coming up in the future, so that's good to see. Uh, there are a couple of line items that uh, might give you pause. Um, for example, in the... Um, in the first couple of line items under revenue, um, you see some pretty healthy variations in uh, actual versus what the budget was, um, tie-downs, land lease, etc. Um, the proper numbers are all there. They may be just miscategorized, and Bob is going to work at that, but he has confirmed that all of the revenue does show. It's just they may not have been put into the appropriate uh, cost item. Um, also, under expenses, under professional services, you can see that that's way over what we had anticipated. Um, and that is because we paid for the upfront work to do preliminary design on our repaving project, which will be coming in an upcoming AIP grant. We had to do that work upfront so that we could get the basic data that the grant application requires so we could move forward. So we pay that up front and then it's recoverable in the grant. So the money we expended, about 29000 with Mead Hunt, I believe, our uh, prime uh, engineering uh, design uh, contractor, uh, will be recoverable. So we'll get that back. It's just going to be offset a couple of years until we get that grant. Mr. Chairman, yes. Uh, that twenty-nine thousand I mentioned was for the pavement management system. Oh, okay. Which we have been reimbursed for. Okay. It does not include the uh, okay the design of the apron work. Sorry about that. That's great. Okay, uh, and that's about it. So, thanks to Bob and uh, team here for doing a great job of managing the budget. Um, let's see, uh, Joe. 
we had some meetings on rules and operating standards. Right. Uh, it's been an ongoing thing for a while, and <clears throat> I guess I kind of pushed to get it done. Uh, but we've been meeting over the last few months about uh, the airport's rules and regulations. We finally have completed that process, which was arduous, uh, to say the least. Um, and we're going to get it typed up, and then what we would like to do is have uh, an open house inviting the uh, pilots from the airport to come out and we'll go through it to discuss what the points are and, uh, and get illicit comments to make sure that we're, we didn't go off on the wrong tangent somewhere uh, and that we'll have full buy-in from the great, greater majority of the pilots in terms of the uh, rules and regulations. Um, there's one of the things that we did do was strike out uh, a lot of things that really didn't have the ability to be enforced. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things that you would like to tell pilots to do. Some of it's already written up in FAA regulations, or it's already stated in the lease, or it's just plain common sense, and there's really not a lot you can do about it. You just hope that people pay attention. So uh, the intent is for us to get this type Bob's going to put all the changes together in a document and then we'll schedule a meeting with the uh, pilots with uh, an open house uh, discussion and then with that we'll bring it back to the committee here the board to look at and then move it forward for review by uh, staff here and then hopefully we can stamp it and say these are what our current operation guides are yeah, and I think it would go through city council. They would have to ultimately yeah, approve it. Right, but okay. Okay. So any any questions for uh, Joe on that? It's been very valuable having um, Kristen as an attorney uh, help us wade through all of that. So <laughs> she uh, helped in clarity significantly, I can say. So thank you for that, Kristen. Um, Okay, project subcommittee. I guess we'll get that when uh, Bob gives us his manager's update because we have completed a few things. Um, so on to Bob, manager's report. Uh, this month we had two noise complaints. Uh, one happened where a Malibu uh, departed on 2-9 and at 400 feet turned left. And it was from outside the area. And, um, we hope he doesn't come back. Uh, the second being our aerobatic pilot, uh, um, was practicing in an area over the uh, sewer ponds and we've asked him to please practice a little further south and he's agreed to do that so okay. uh, hopefully we've solved those two problems. Uh, AIP 21 which was the pavement management system and it was our lighting project um, August 16th the contractors came out and installed the new rotating beacon uh, installed the pilot control lighting and as of Friday the 19th we now are being controlled by uh, the power control lighting. Uh, so what that means is from dusk to 9 p.m. the runway lights will be on medium, which they always have been, and then after 9 p.m. they'll go off and they'll be on a demand system. How many microphone clicks to turn them on? So it's a low, medium, high, three, five, seven clicks. Three, five, seven. Okay. Within five seconds we'll bring up the high intensity. Okay. Uh, there's a note amount presently that we have this in place. There's also a message on the AWAS. If people are listening, it'll explain the, 
how to operate them as well. We'll be closing out AIP 21 as soon as we get the invoice from the contractor, and, and uh, we can cycle that through. Uh, this one's paid by 95% by the FAA. We didn't have this one on uh, on a Caltrans match because they weren't accepting yeah. them at that time. Uh, AIP 22, we were accept. We had a grant from the FAA in the amount of 118,750. We also uh, were approved by Caltrans. Uh, for a grant of, I think it's $2,900, which we were not expecting. We applied, but we didn't count on that in the budget, so um, that helps us out quite a bit. Uh, we're going for the City Council on the 12th for a new professional services agreement with Mead Hunt for the design of the rehabilitation project for the ramp and taxiways. That's the upfront AIP 21, that's the preliminary work for... Oh, this is AIP 22 now. I'm sorry, 22. Yeah. Right. Yeah, that's what I said, 22. <laughs> so uh, they, uh, they're they anxious to get going on it. Uh, right now, the FAA does not have the funding to um, give us some money for the project itself, the pavement part of it. Mm. Uh, but what they've told us is to have it shelf ready in case discretionary monies are available. Okay. Uh, we would be in line to get those. So would this 118000 come out of our, disc our uh, entitlement grant? That would come out, uh, out of the entitlement, yes. Okay. Yeah. Right. Presently, we... Uh, we'll not be using the full entitlement this year. I think we'll have a carryover of like 95000 Okay. So they let us carry that over. We don't right. lose so we'll be it. carrying it over to okay. next year, yeah. So. Uh, open hangars. We presently have uh, the three executive hangars that are still remain open. We have two standard T hangars, one with a 39-foot door, one with a 41-foot door, uh, which equates to a 9.2% vacancy rate dollar-wise. Um, we plan with a budget for a 5%, so we're running over our vacancy rate, which we're also going before the City Council on the 12th to see if we can adjust the executive rates and um, stir some... And, and I understand you have some potential tenants that once that is approved by Council, they're ready to move in. There are two tenants ready to move in. Okay, right. great. Um, as of uh, August 25th, we were notified that the RNAV GPS... Minimums have been changed for Petaluma. Uh, in the past, the GPS approach minimum was 950 feet, I believe. Yeah. Uh, the new uh, minimum is now 347 feet above ground, no, above sea level, mm -hmm. which equates to right around 247 above the ground. So that that's a big difference. That should open us up to about 95% of the days if we do have bad weather. Yeah, and I've uh, looked into that. It turns out that it is a brand new approach uh, and the old GPS approach is no longer valid, doesn't exist. So the new GPS approach does, and the existing VOR approach to 2.9 is unchanged. Um, uh, the government publishing system that does the, the book, the approach plates, what is that? What is it, NAVCO, or what's it called? Mm. Whatever. Anyway, <laughs> it was official as of August 25. Jefferson is a month behind because I didn't get it, the new approach in my last two updates, and it's not in my GPS navigation database either. Mm -hmm. I called Jepson, and they said, um, in the next revision, it will be. And I said, well, that's nice. I'm going to maybe need to use that in about a week. <laughs> uh, but uh, that being said, the, um, the uh, approach is, is approved, and uh, if you've got the, the chart and you've got it, 
the waypoints in your GPS database, uh, you're good to go. Uh, Mr. Chairman, for the benefit of Mike Keeley, uh, presently when we are below uh, VFR visual flight rules, uh, we have to go to an instrument approach. And presently they're 950 feet, which is quite high. And a lot of planes, although the visibility was maybe five, 600 feet, couldn't come in at that point, so they had to divert to Santa Rosa or Napa or other places. So this, this is a big plus for us. And this was, Mike, uh, just to give you a little background on this, this and the new pilot-controlled lighting system and replacing the rotating beacon uh, were a couple of items that we'd been working on for a while to attract more business flyers here so that more charter flights could come bringing business people. And with the lower minimums, uh, now uh, if someone is flying in a charter, uh, that aircraft would be legal to land and safe to land here at Petaluma, which means fuel sales, which means uh, meals and rental cars and hotel rooms and whatever other business activity is generated from that. And you just have a higher expectation that you'll actually be able to land here. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. And they that's very helpful. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Bob. As a final note, our ground communications link uh, has been having some issues with the squelch and not being able to read the proper clicks to call flight service or open center. So the unit's been sent back to the manufacturer to be readjusted. So for a period of about two weeks, we'll be without it. But okay. when it comes back, we'll be 100%. Right. Questions for Bob? Bob, uh, is is there any place other than Jepson and the, the government uh, where these new changes can be listed so that people can find them? I mean, not that I don't trust these two, but they are slow and they are backed up. And the better that we can get the word out, the better off we are. Uh, we'll be notifying uh, Flight Guide, and we'll also be notifying AOPA. Uh, I think AOPA updates twice a year, uh, Flight Guide, I think they're twice a year as well. So it may be a while before this information gets published. Is there anything that we can put on our public website or anything like that? that um, I don't think we would want to do that because then we, that City of Petaluma Liability. Airport, would have to assume the responsibility and liability for putting appropriate correct data on the website. What we can do is refer any person looking at the website to go get the appropriate publication, but we would have to, anything we would do would have to be very clearly marked, not well, that, Basically, that's what I meant. I didn't mean necessarily, yeah, okay. the, but I mean referring to whatever is yeah, the right, that would be, yeah. right place to refer, but with the note that there are changes and there are lower minimums. Yeah. As a matter of fact, if you look up on airnav.gov, um, the new procedure is, is shown. You can download it. Yeah, and so if you scoot down the bottom of the page to approaches, it's there, and you can, that's how I downloaded it. Then I just printed it so I've got it. Okay, thank you. All right. Anything else for Bob? Yeah, I had a question. Yeah, Colin. Just the, uh, the hangar, uh, we lowered the price of those two months ago. We, we, we agreed to, to lower mm -hmm. it. And I was just wondering what the delay was. And, and I know it has to go to city council to be approved, but is it, does it take that long? Uh, for the month of August, uh, the city council was busy with um, budget. Okay. So the first available spot was um, the 12th which we're, we're scheduled for. Okay. Yeah, as, as soon as we could squeeze it in. Gotcha. We're still the budget, but that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> it was also that I was uh, too late to get it in for an, a meeting back in July. <clears throat> okay. So this All is right. the first available time. Not trying to bust you. <laughs>
Great. Okay. Anything else for Bob? Okay. Commission comments? Councilman Healy. Um, yeah, just one thing, and, and just as a lead into this, um, because this is what I'm going to mention, um, looking at the, the, the budget for uh, FY 10-11, where on the revenue side would, would the um, rooster run payments be lumped in? That's in the first line item, uh, well, wait a minute, land lease, where, lease private hangers, is that where it is, Bob? Yes, it's land yeah, lease through private hangers. So it's just included with the private hangers. Okay. Yeah. And um, it's, I, I have to be a little bit delicate here because I can't talk about closed session things at the city council, but I can say that um, there have been conversations with Rooster Run about revisiting um, the lease. Um, people are not playing golf the way they used to. And um, my colleagues are very focused on the fact that this is an important revenue source, both for the general fund, they're more focused on that piece, by the way, um, but also um, f for the airport. So you might want to remind my colleagues of the importance of that going forward. Okay. Yeah, it's worth um, between twenty-five and $30,000 to us, which is not chump change. Okay, thank you. Fred. Yeah. Uh, just a couple of comments. I, I agree with a lot of the other uh, uh, comments on the uh, MoGas. It, it probably should be something that we could investigate, but uh, I, I just don't see where it's going to be a, a viable thing for at least three to five years uh, until the alternate uh, fuel is actually approved. Okay, Mark? As far as uh, minimums, beside the point that um, going to bring in more business. It's a safety issue. All these items that we've been working on lately um, are directly related to safety. The AWOS, the lighting, the rotating beacon, the ground communications outlink, um, all, all those things are directly related to the safety of our airport. So um, that's all a bonus. That's, that's it. Okay. Joe. Um, just one last comment on, on the MOGAS. I didn't mean to imply that 10 years is too far out. I do believe that the, the base analysis gives you something to look at because later on, if the, if the number of people grow that would use the gas, it gives us something to look at in terms of growth and understanding of where we're, we're going to be when that point comes. Um, so. I'll happily work with you and Bob on that. Uh, and then lastly, I just want to thank Bob and Kristen and Tom for their efforts uh, with me in going through the uh, airport procedures. It, <laughs> it was funny at times, it was frustrating at times, but they hung in there uh, to, to get through it. And uh, I guess I ended up being the ultimate taskmaster, but we're going we're gonna to get this done. We're going to get procedures out that actually are going to help Bob in trying to keep relations uh, with other pilots at the airport and give us something that says, it's written, this is what it is, like it or not. So uh, we're going to go ahead with it. So thank you. Colin. Yeah, I just want to say I'm, I'm really... Uh, Happy to look into this this issue of the of the alternative fuel. Um, I, uh, I I just want to uh, I hope that everybody keeps an open mind and uh, is willing to look at some new technologies. Sure, super, Kristen. Uh, well, um, I would thank my uh, colleagues on the committee for the 
putting up with the uh, project of, of wading through those regulations. And I guess I will make one additional comment that I'll, I'll uh, address to Mike down there on the end. In the process of doing this, I discovered that there are a few um, municipal ordinances which purport to govern how pilots fly the airplanes in the air. Now there's this little thing in the Constitution called the Supremacy Clause that makes those um, uh, regulations an entire legal nullity. The only effect that they might have is they might open up for a clever plaintiff's attorney to sue the city if somebody did something stupid while following the uh, city's guidelines when they should have been doing something else. Spoken as a true attorney. Thank you, Krista. If you'd like to send me an email with some references to the Muni Code sections in particular, I'd be happy to see that. Thank you. Okay, and uh, the only comment I have is uh, first to thank Joe for uh, taking the lead and for Bob and pulling together the uh, updates on our um, revised uh, operating standards and rules for the airport, and also to remind the public and all of the uh, pilots who might be watching um, that uh, the 17th of this month we'll have another open house display day sponsored by the Petaluma Area Pilots Association. It's free. Uh, hopefully have hot dogs and chips uh, and soda perhaps. Activities director here. Based on that grimace, I'm not sure about that. Anyway, uh, it'd be a great time. There'll be a lot of beautiful aircraft on display. Pilots available to talk uh, to you if you're a member of the public and want to come out to the airport and check out this wonderful facility we have. So with that, we are adjourned.